You hungry? Hey, Ma! Can we get some meatloaf? This has like a mom's basement kind of feel. Mom! 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 Throw some stuff in the basement. What basement? Mom's basement with Joe Frank. That is quite possibly the dumbest thing I think you've ever said. And Corey Diab. I can't believe I take part in the show. Away we go. Mom's basement. We're going to call it season three, episode one. We are back, baby. As always, I'm your host, Joe. With me via socially distanced Discord, as always, is Corey. Corey, what's going on? What's popping, everybody? Long time no see. How was your quarantine? Uh, nothing changed for me because I work in healthcare, so I did the exact same shit I normally do. Nothing changed for me either. You know, pretty chill. Still out there smashing liquor. Still out there crushing beers. It's been a great time. I thought you were gonna say like smashing chicks. I was like, that's cap. No, nope, didn't. Cap. I did not say that. Did not. I'm a respectable human being. Are you? I am a very respectable human being. I am not like my roommates, who are out being reckless. I won't name names, yeah. but the words Plan B get uttered quite a bit. I so, like that. No, me either. I hate it, actually. Nonetheless, <laughs> Mom's Basement has returned to iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, Anchor, Stitcher, among other platforms. If you could find a podcast, we are on there. No doubt about it. Find me on Twitter at Joe underscore Frank 01. Corey on Twitter at Corey L. Diablo. And boy, oh boy. I've been wanting to get back into it for a bit here, but work and stuff is busy because the Bears are somehow 4-1. and one. And we'll get into the ins and outs of this team, this roster, this head coach, the whole staff. We're also going to do upset and lock of the week, of course, in the NFL for week five. And then we've got a little bit of baseball because playoff baseball is on right now, actually, on my other screen. I've got Yankees-Rays game five, Glasnow versus Cole. Pirates are cringing tonight, am I right? Like, Jesus. Cole versus Tyler Glass now? You bet they are. Game five. Pirates are going, what the fuck did we do wrong? Of course, <laughs> of course, Cubs and White Sox got the early exits, but we'll get into that after we talk football, right. baby. Corey, what did you see last night on Thursday Night Football, Bears and Bucks? Uh, the offensive performance on the side of the Bears, which is nothing new. And Cleo Mack said that the defense smelled uh, blood in the water, and Sure as shit they did because he was an unstoppable force in that game. I mean, truly. I think Khalil Mack has gotten a raw a raw deal here. I think he was going into last night the number one defensive end outside linebacker in that category as far as run support. And then he was like... Any order can be rewarding. Hold on, hold on. Oh, and Corey, we got a little technical difficulty. No worries, we'll push right through it. First in run support and then sixth, yeah. I think, on quarterback pressures. So it's not like he's doing nothing but he's not st- showing up on the stat sheet with the sack numbers that he had previously. Right, yeah. Um, so we had two sacks last night. Uh, he had a third taken away because of um, a penalty. I don't know if it was like him. It was like a late hit on Brady or whatever the heck it was. But if he had landed that sack, he would have been on pace for 18 sacks this year. So now he's sitting around the 11 mark, which is, you know, Obviously, double-digit sacks is a good thing. Akeem Hicks is on pace for uh, double-digit sacks, which is a good thing. Uh, but, you know, it's good to see the numbers starting to show up. But he, he's he been applying pressure. Uh, it just hasn't really gotten home uh, until last night. So that was definitely a, uh, a key difference in that game. I know the biggest thing for me on the defense, uh, just really quick, and then we'll, we'll get back to it when we go full out on the defense here, but 
I know we do not undervalue this player, but I think pretty much everybody does, and it's Eddie Goldman not being there in the middle. Like, he is yeah. such a factor. Yeah, so when he opted out, uh, when he opted out for the season because of COVID-19, I saw a lot, I follow a lot of people who watch a lot of film on the Bears, and, you know, they were saying, well, he's like the least important or one of the fewest important people on the defense. Like, how people talk about how Mike Singletary wasn't that important to the 85 Bears. They were saying that um, Eddie Goldman was the same. And I'm thinking to myself, well, when you when the Bears switched to a 3-4 system, the first thing they did was draft Eddie Goldman. <laughs> Wonder why. Draft, draft the nose tackle because he controls the running game. He controls the line of scrimmage. And Eddie Goldman is one of the best in the business at doing it. That's why you and I were talking about how they really needed to go out and get, you know, uh, Damon Smacks Harrison to shore up that run defense and Bilal Nichols is a good player, but Bilal Nichols isn't a nose tackle. He, he's an off he's the edge defense, guy. Defensive end. Yeah. Right. So it's a little hard to ask him to carry that load. And he hasn't really been doing a good job so far. Are we surprised that they're four and one? Cause I, I'm a little Absolutely. surprised, but then you look at the competition they've played and it's kind of like, man, eh, I don't know. You know, they beat the giants. Okay. They came back against Atlanta. Who's horrible, especially defensively. The, the, the biggest the only, surprise was obviously last night, for sure. So the only game that they should have won outright of all of those games is versus the Giants. Yeah, and even the Giants, or, they had they had the ball, the last play, the opportunity to win the game, and they obviously didn't come through. But Right, right. But, I mean, the Lions, you had DeAndre Swift drop a wide-open touchdown that would have won the game. You had Atlanta just blow a fucking massive lead to Nick Foles coming out of nowhere. And, uh, you know... Last night was a was a game that they probably shouldn't have won. They were down thirteen nothing at one point. You know the defense clamps it down. They get they get uh, two touchdowns before the half ends, and that really inspires the defense for the rest of the game because the defenses are better when they play with the lead. But yeah, no, this is probably the worst four and one team I think I can recall. I think everybody except for Matt Nagy would agree with you on that. I mean, I know a couple yeah. guys who had the over in the first half last night, and Nick Nick Foles threw a pick. And I was talking to these guys, and they said, well, we're not hitting the over in the first half because the Bears aren't going to score all night. Because <laughs> they looked the really bad off the rim. In the first half, it was 22, I think, 22 and a half. It ended up hitting, I believe. Because yeah, the Bears, it was 14 to 13 and a half. Right. But yeah. like, with that first interception, they were just like, well, that play is out the window because it was all part of a parlay. So, but uh, uh, luckily. And, we could, and then we could talk about that intercept. I want to talk about that interception a little bit, but uh, yeah, no. The, the, it's an it, they're not a good team as far as I'm concerned. Honestly, if you asked me what I thought about all this, I would say this is the worst case scenario for them. Hundred truly is to be a four and one team, and then let's say they finish eight and eight, nine and seven, something like that. Guess what? You're not getting the, pick an 18th in the draft. Are you are you prepared to trade? first round picks and two second round picks to move into the top 10 top five to get your quarterback in the future and i, I don't, don't think they're going to do that i don't think they could go ahead and trade up and take a chance on on a trey lance i think it's gotta be fields if you're trading up the, the weird thing right. about this draft is obviously lawrence should go number one like the what if the jets who i think are the worst team in the league get the first pick but they believe in sam darnold like Oh, that's the thing. I my hot take for April. I was for the NFL draft is 
the two New York teams are going to be picking in the top three, and one of them isn't going to take a quarterback. I believe that because Sam Darnold, from I don't think Sam Darnold's a bad quarterback. I really don't. I think he has as maybe the worst situation in the NFL outside of like Dwayne Haskins. I mean, look what happened with Adam Adam Gase when he or when with Ryan Tannehill when Adam Gase left Miami. Right, right. right. And you know how how Adam Gase keeps getting jobs is like beyond me. And that's he used to be the Bears' offensive coordinator, so like. How he continues to get jobs is beyond me. But if if you're going to bring in a new coach, that new coach is probably going to want his own quarterback. Correct. So maybe, they, maybe they're the ones who draft a quarterback and trade Sam Darnold and then the Giants hang on to uh, Daniel Jones. But Well, don't I, worry. I, my hot, hot when, take is uh, one of them is not going to do it. When the Jets fire Gase and the Broncos fire uh, Fangio after this season, the Bears will have two coordinators to come back. Oh, beautiful. I, I mean, I love Vic Fangio back because I fucking hate what Chuck, Chuck Pagano's doing. I but... don't like it either. Yeah, but we that, we talked about that before. It just feels like it's missing an edge yet. Let's, let's go back to the quarterback. They make the switch. They pull Mitch against Atlanta. I was heartbroken. He was in my fantasy lineup for that game. Is he really? Of course. I started Mitch Hi. Trubisky in the Kenwood League the first three weeks of the season. That's ridiculous. Because I, I did this I thing where in a in a twelve team league, versus the Lions. I told you to start him versus the Lions, not anybody else. Well, he had a better game week two, I think points wise, and week three he still put up like eighteen points. Uh, he had a huh? big run in there that really helped him. So, he had a forty five yard run. Yeah, but uh, that's the thing is I'm in a twelve team league in the Kenwood League, and everybody has two quarterbacks except except for me. I didn't draft a quarterback because. I was going to take Ben Roethlisberger, and then a guy took Roethlisberger, who shares the bye week as his other quarterback. So then instead of dropping Roethlisberger, he picked up Joe Burrow, and this guy carries three fucking quarterbacks. So I've been starting. I started, yeah, I started Roethlisberger, or I started uh, Trubisky, and then Minshew through f- through four weeks. That was, those, and I'm two and two. So I, I like the strategy. Yeah, well. You gotta ride with Nick Foles if you're gonna put, pick a Bears quarterback because because we're at the point with Mitch where we're 44 starts in, and you don't pull the number two, the former number two overall pick with the intention of going back to him unless there's injury. I mean, the situation like, is the worst. Done. It's horrible. Yeah, I there's not Bears. The Bears just in general have the worst situation in football but they certainly have the worst quarterback situation in football. 100%. Absolutely. Matt Nagy doesn't know Absolutely. what to do. Matt Nagy doesn't know what kind of offense he wants to run. He says and he wants to run the football, but he really doesn't. Like, So, and that's kind of why I'm still a Matt Nagy fan in all of this, because in spite of having the biggest quarterback bust since Jamarcus Russell and having – a $24 million backup in Nick Foles, who is, he's not a full-time starter for a reason. You saw him miss that deep ball to Darnell Mooney. You saw him miss that two-yard out to Allen Robinson last night, dreadfully. There's a reason Nick Foles isn't a starting quarterback. And yet, in spite of all of that, Matt Nagy is, what is he, 24 and 13 in his Bears tenure. I think he's a great motivator. I I think he can get a team behind him. I think he's a great head coach. I think he's a great he I I don't know about um that he's not a good play caller. I think part of it is he's had awful quarterbacks and the offensive line is really bad. I just don't know what the up. offense wants to do. Like 
I, I give him credit. You know, a lot of times I do see guys that are schemed kind of open. Like that Robinson play last night, well, he was schemed open, 100%. Like, yeah. And then he misses the two-yard throw. Robinson had room in front of him to move. And the, the Darnell Mooney seven route. Yeah. Where he, oh, where by the way, Mooney took, took that guy's ankles. No, Mooney. We'll talk about draft picks later, but I love Darnell Mooney. But um, he looks oh, like me it, running an eighty-yard touchdown in and flag football <laughs> this week. I, I'm serious. Yeah, but, yeah, and then I'm sure you were gassed after that. I was. I was actually okay. The adrenaline was pumping on Wednesday night. <laughs> I was solid, and I didn't play defense, so I only had to play offense. It's, but it's one of those things for me where, if I'm supposed to believe in a path picked by this organization, like if I'm supposed to believe that Ryan Pace can take us there, or am I supposed to believe Matt Nagy is going to take us there? I'd rather give Nagy a shot at the second quarterback because people associate Matt Nagy with Mitchell Trubisky, but Nagy was hired during Mitch after Mitch's rookie year. So Nagy had nothing to do with the drafting of Mitchell Trubisky. Absolutely nothing. Ryan Pace did all of that. So if you're going to fire one of them, then you're going to fire Ryan Pace. If you fire Matt Nagy, I'm not going to be upset about it. I think he will end up being an offensive coordinator somewhere and he'll get another head coaching job somewhere and he'll get his chance again. But I think it would be a little unfair to this guy who's basically squeezed everything he can out of an offense to get them to 24 wins in two and a quarter seasons. Yeah. I don't think, I don't, I don't, I don't think like say Nag gets fired. He's going to find another head coach job right away. I don't think he has a problem doing that. Oh. I would, I would say how safe are their jobs? as Nagy and Pace. Because I would fire Ryan Pace tomorrow. Would I? Unfortunately, let's say they go 9-7, and 8-8 eight and eight or something They're like that. They're not going anywhere. If you're, and then the unfortunate thing, too, is they make the playoffs as a seventh seed because the NFL has an extra, an extra slot this year for a playoff team. That's I don't tough. see the Bears. I don't see the Bears firing... And pace. Essentially, the Bears um, are the Bulls right now. They're stuck in mediocrity. And I mean, the only thing, the most realistic thing that I can see happening is they're that seventh seed or whatever. They get bounced. They have the 18th pick or whatever it is. And you, as Ryan Pace, you sit Matt Nagy down and you're like, look, it's it's time. You know, we gotta we're gonna have to make moves here. We don't have a ton of cap. We don't have uh, the most picks in the world, at least the most high picks in the world. We got to get a quarterback now. And he's going to have to trade three first-round picks to move up into the top five, and then some, to get one of these quarterbacks. And Matt Nagy's going to have to scout his absolute ass off to get his guy. Yeah, he's going to have to make a pick, like 100%. Because, you know, John Fox was the coach when um, when Mitch was picked. And there's a – I don't know if you read that Bleacher Report article that I posted in the chat not that long ago. It was a really good article. Going into that morning of the draft in 2017, John Fox didn't know the Bears were taking a quarterback. Of course he didn't. John Fox thought the Bears were going to take Jamal Adams. If they took a quarterback, it was going to be Deshaun Watson. Interesting. Oh, that's a really gr- interesting article. And then another kick in the nuts in that article is that Patrick Mahomes was under the impression that if he was there for the Bears pick, 
he was the pick. Right. That's what his meeting with them, him walk away with. Yeah, I mean, so, next year is going to be really interesting as far as, like, what do you do at the quarterback position uh, as far as the draft? But then you got some really bad cap hits on this team. So, like right? you're saying, you don't have a lot of flexibility. Khalil Mack next year is going to sit on your books at almost $27 million. Kyle Fuller has a really bad cap hit, too, I believe. $20 million. This, this year for Kyle Fuller is basically a contract year because the Bears would either, like, him or extend him, whatever, trade him, whatever the situation is. And maybe Jalen Johnson balling out makes that a little easier. But, but Fuller is also playing really good football. Fuller is playing incredible football. Incredible football. 25% of their entire cap next year is is in Mack and Fuller. Yeah. So you, you either have to extend Fuller to lessen that cap hit or spread it out a little bit. Mind you, they got to bring back Allen Robinson. They have to bring back Allen Robinson too, and I don't know how. Like the part of me is like, yeah, the cap situation sucks, and the it sucks when you play Madden, especially because like it's not as flu. Excuse me, it's not as fluid. But I've seen people say that the NFL salary cap is basically a myth. Like you can make shit work, and it's hard to deny that when you look at teams like the Chiefs and the Rams and stuff like that, how they just pay Patrick Mahomes this ungodly amount of money and then turn around and pay Travis Kelsey this ungodly amount of money and Chris Jones an ungodly amount of money. I'm sure there's really smart people who know exactly how to manipulate those numbers. Right. Uh, I don't envy them. I mean, that job probably sucks, but I'm going to guess not every team has the smartest people that can manipulate those numbers. Like the Rams, I get the Rams are paying probably five people most of their cap. Ramsey, Goff, Cup, Woods, Donald. I don't know who else in that team makes money. So that might those five guys might very well make up 85% of their entire cap. Honestly, it's annoying too because Kyle Fuller isn't the problem. Like Kyle Fuller making that money isn't the problem. Cleo Mack making that money isn't the problem. The problem is the other contracts. The problem is giving three years and $30 million to Danny Trevathan, who looks like a, a shell of his former self right. when Nick Klikowski is balling out in Oakland. Trading a fourth round pick to take on a twenty two million dollar cap hit of Nick Foles. So just you know, a quick like, uh, a quick look here while we were talking about the Rams. There next year yeah. they're estimated to have a negative fifteen point five million dollar cap space. And somehow they'll keep all their players, and somehow they'll make it work. Correct. They've uh, got uh, Golf at thirty five million cap hit, and uh, Donald is twenty eight. That should be flipped. Not even a question about it. Right. Right. But yeah, no, the, the, the money problems are the Jimmy Graham contracts, the Danny Trevathan contracts, the Nick Foles contracts, you know, players who are overpaid because the Bears are like under this this mindset of we're going to win now, but you're not really in the position to do so because you don't have a solution at the quarterback position. Yeah, and this offense isn't good. Like I'm looking at like their offensive line, especially at the tackle spots, have been pretty pretty subpar, especially Charles Leno at left tackle. And next year, he's on the books for $11 million. And, and Bobby Massey, who's been, you know, okay. But, like, these guys aren't the future at the tackle position. And then you lose James Daniels last night. The interior has been the the, uh, the good part of the line. But, like, it's not going to get better now. Even even the inside of that line, like, Aina Fetty at right guard, that dude is, like, cheeks. I hated when they I hated when they signed him because... I knew what he was and he's like, he's probably a very valuable like swing tackle swing, like a top backup. 
but I knew he was going to start. Like it, it's just one of those things where they didn't have cap space and they signed him and they're just like, yeah, you're, you're going to start. And I think he's bummed. You know, the play that Tampa is crying about last night was um, he moved and Shaquille Barrett jumped off the line. that was called as like a neutral zone infraction. And he, the, he single-handedly would have cost the bears that game because huh. on the next play, Nick Foles, I believe hits uh, David Montgomery uh, for the first down, but it was just, it was just terrible. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I am more of a fan of like Charles Leno. I think he's an average left tackle in this league. I think Bobby Massey's really bad, um, but that's just like an eye test thing for me. But yeah, the offense isn't good. You know, Allen Robinson is pretty much it. And I think even not then, pretty much it. I think that is it. And Allen Robinson himself is just—he's had a rough start to this year too, to a certain extent. But he's money on those like eight, nine, 10, 11 yard routes, like those slants and, you know, stuff like that, because the bears offensive line can't hold up long enough. So he's got to have those sure hands out there. Right. I think he's solid. You obviously lock him up. I actually listened to a former episode of ours from like two years ago when they brought him in and we were clamoring that he is a number one wide receiver. So props to us. But then we also were talking about Adam Shaheen. I'm not going to say what we said about that. Uh, (laughs) We, we take the dubs. Uh, but that is it. Anthony Miller is absolutely horrible. Darnell yeah, Mooney that, looks like a bright spot, but I mean that pick stinks. Anthony Miller is so disappointing to me. Like I thought this dude was like it after his first year. He had like 600 yards, seven touchdowns. I'm like, that's not bad for a second round rookie. And you know, I, I blamed Mitch a lot last year for what he um, for him struggling. I blamed Mitch earlier this year, but he's just not outside of that play versus. Atlanta where Foles just said run to the L he has not been good he needs that on every play he needs to be told exactly what to do and where to be and Darnell Mooney has Darnell Mooney has passed him in percentage of snaps Darnell Mooney is getting 65 percent of the snaps oh, I, I totally it. noticed it last night I, I I was thinking in my head I'm like where is Anthony Miller where is Anthony Miller? I'm like I'm like he shouldn't be on the field so I guess that's good because Darnell Mooney's been balling out this year but, I mean, even the running backs, like Cordero Patterson, who I think should be a phenomenal back just because of his pure size and his speed, he uh, sucks. And then I always have hated David Montgomery. I still think he's cheeks. They've got nothing in the run game, and I get you're going to say it's the offensive line, but, like, I've never seen it from David Montgomery. I mean, the downgrade from James Daniel to Alex Bard is pretty Oh, it's going to be so uh, massive. James Daniels done for the year with a torn pectoral injury and James Daniel is he's a really good left guard like he struggled a little bit last year when they switched him to center and whatnot moved him in white hair around but man that sucks that really blows like that's gonna cost them a game I think at some point just like any offense you could squeeze out of that is just gonna not be there anymore and it's really unfortunate yeah, let's stick with the offense here really quick and move on to their one of their first picks in last year's draft. Tight end, Notre yeah. Dame, Cole Komet. I had a bet on him last night to score first touchdown. Why would you do that? Uh, Why? 20 bucks paid out about 1100 Did it really? Yeah, it was like plus okay, 5,500 odds. That's why I did it. I was like, oh, yeah, I was like, fuck it, we'll take a stab, you know. It's, it's a sick payout. So, But, man, he's he's miserable. It's not even a thing where like the Bears don't play rookies because you're seeing them play rookies. Darnell Mooney plays, Jalen Johnson plays, Anthony Miller as a rookie plays, 
James Daniels plays. So you're seeing um, Jimmy Graham, but then you're seeing a lot of Demetrius Harris. Yeah, seriously. Demetrius Harris caught a pass last night, and I said, <laughs> why the fuck is this guy in the game? Demetrius Harris was signed to block. Yeah. And you remember my reaction when the Bears took Cole Komet. I was furious. Furious. Because this Cole Komet, first of all, he might not have even been my top tight end. The Rams ended up taking Bryce Hopkins. But not only was he not my top tight end, this was like the worst tight end class in a, in a decade. It was terrible. Terrible. And what do the Bears do instead of trading back? They take the overdraft and draft for need in Cole Komet. This dude had like 600 yards receiving in three years at Notre Dame. <laughs> like 500, 540 of it came his year or whatever. The thing that really stings for me is like, we're seeing around the league that you can find tight ends just like you can find running backs. Mo Alley Cox in Indianapolis, former Virginia Tech quarterback Logan Thomas is playing tight end for the Washington football team. Who who, who yeah. the heck was Aaron Rodgers throwing to last week? Like, come on. Like, you're what drafting Jackson or something? I don't know. I'd never oh, heard of the guy. But he was he was catching passes left and right from Aaron Rodgers. So the good, te- good teams like the Packers can do that. Obviously, there are the anomalies. But George Kittle was, what, a fifth-round pick? George Kittle was a fifth-round pick the same year that Adam Shaheen was a second-round pick. Right, okay. Robert, Robert, Robert Tonian. Tonian, Tonian. There you go. I had yeah. never heard of this guy. I hadn't heard of Mo Ali Cox before this year. And He's... like, it's not even a, it's not even a thing with Cole Komet where you can blame quarterback play because he's just not seeing the field. He's not getting snaps. Which and... leads you to believe that he's not doing anything in practice. They're seeing nothing out of him all right. week. So you're, why would they seeing, play him on Sunday? Nothing out of him. Nothing out of him. And we were like, Bears social media team because I follow them on a uh, on TikTok. I'm looking at some of the old TikToks that they posted, and it's all hyping up Jimmy Graham and Cole Komet, and Jimmy Graham saying, like, oh, I see a young me in Cole Komet. And I'm just like, yeah, you ain't selling me on shit, big dog. Because uh, I love when teammates dude, tell the truth. Dude is buns. Dude is trash. And getting to the point where, like, I, no one's calling a second-round pick a bust after five games, but I might just have to do that because this dude – can't even break as a tight end too like he can't get on the field at all with jimmy graham taking all the pressure luckily for the bears they've got a couple other rookies who are playing pretty well i've liked what i've seen from jalen johnson i like his swagger he's got a little bit of an ego to him i fucking love that i like his size i like his ability to just play one-on-one uh he's made some mistakes obviously that's gonna happen even like if you're a great cornerback you're gonna make mistakes like you're gonna get beat I think Mike Evans last night just absolutely bodied him on a slant route for a touchdown. For the touchdown, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I don't think Jalen Johnson's been the best in the run game, but overall you oh. got to love what you've seen from him as a second-round corner. And then obviously Darnell Mooney is – I think he's going to be stupid good. With Jalen Johnson, you have to nitpick with him, which is a really good thing. Right. Like it's a good thing that you have to nitpick. Like he doesn't seem like he's the most willing tackler right now. And – he can get beat once in a while. And, you know, you, the first thing I think about when I try to nitpick with him is Marvin Jones just absolutely obliterating him into the dirt week one. And that's like that was his welcome to the NFL moment. But the dude balls out. I mean, every 
defensive back metric has him and Kyle Fuller as like top five, top 10 corners in the game right now. And he was a second round pick this year. He was drafted after Cole Komet. He should have been a first round pick, but they obviously had concerns about the shoulder injuries and all that. Right, so the, right. They got lucky that he fell that low, especially because they had yeah. a, a pick before that and took the absolute bomb at tight end. It makes you go back and think, like, what were they thinking? What was the scouting reports looking like? Because Jalen Johnson looks like he's going to be a bona fide starting corner in the NFL for a long time. And then Darnell Mooney, I mean, I'm sorry. He broke my ankles last night, and I was sitting on the couch. He took my ankles on that only post. If only had a halfway decent quarterback throwing him the football. Because, I mean, Jesus Christ. Jesus, he was, man. He was open. Open. I could name was, 100 people that can make that throw. He was a fifth-round pick. So that that – Thing, that's the thing that's, that bothers me with Ryan Pace is like he fucks up Cole Komet. He fucks up Adam Shaheen. He fucks up Mitchell Trubisky. But then he, he finds, finds those diamonds in the, the rough. Fourth, finds Darnell Mooney in the fifth. You know, he picks up Akeem Hicks off of the dumpster pile and, and he all of a sudden becomes one of the best three, four defensive ends in football. You know, he has the balls to trade for Khalil Mack, you know, shit like that. It keeps me in on Ryan Pace a little bit. But not enough at this point. Let's stick with the defense here. They obviously balled out last night. The Bears, should, if, if the Bears have even an okay defense, they probably lose that game by 25 points. Uh, Tom Brady looked frustrated. I think he was pressured almost 50% of the time, which is nuts. Mm -hmm. Khalil Mack was working the rookie one. on the right side. I mean, insane. Yeah, that was disgusting. That, that's that's the ultimate. I son you. You are my son now, Tristan. Tristan, Tristan. Tristan Wirfs is six foot seven. Tristan Wirfs is six foot seven and three hundred and forty pounds. And he and he is a son to Khalil Mack. Just chalk that dude. I mean, God Jeez. bless. The the thing with this defense is you've got superstars at every level. You've got Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks up front. Roquan Smith is a star in the middle of that, and then you've got Eddie Jackson, Kyle Fuller, in the secondary. I mean, my hot take right now is the Bears have the best secondary in football. They might. They honestly True. might. Eddie Jackson, Kyle Fuller, um, Jalen Johnson, and then Tayshawn Gibson at strong safety picked off Matt Ryan uh, yeah. two weeks ago, and he's been very sound in the tackling. Like, they might have the best secondary and the best pass rush trio in football. That's what's keeping them in games because Robert Quinn has had his moments uh, flashing, but he hasn't shown enough yet. I think he needs another... to do more. For sure, I definitely, I definitely do too, and I'm annoyed that the Bears gave the, the Bears had one big contract in them, and instead of getting a quarterback, they went and got Robert Quinn for seventy million dollars. Yeah, that was confusing to me. I remember the day that news broke, going, "Why on earth are they doing this?" Right, and I remember that time it was essentially a two-year deal for thirty million dollars. So I think it's thirty millions thirty million guaranteed or something like that. But I was pissed because I'm like, you literally have Teddy Bridgewater sitting out there who didn't get much more he got enough you to know, make me he, some cash yeah he did got cam newton out there for less than a million dollars and we're fucking going after this yeah that's the one that's gonna sting is the cam newton deal because he looks like he's back to normal after being hurt for so long yep yep and you, yeah so imagine all the cap you you saved i mean that's a 21 22 million dollar difference between nick Foles and cam newton yeah we're just, and now ridiculous. looking at the uh upcoming schedule for the bears here it's going to yeah. get a little tougher than Lions, Giants, Falcons. Um, right. They've got Panthers. The Panthers have been okay, and you're, you're probably going to see Christian McCaffrey back for that game, so that's always a problem. You have to game plan it for him. But then it's Rams, Saints, and Titans back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. Pretty tough little schedule here 
and then they got a lot Titans, of division the games. Titans game, the Titans game is interesting because I feel like the Titans are a lot like the Bears. They're just like winning these games by the skin of their teeth. You know, like they have a very they had a lower um, point differential than the Bears going into the game versus the Colts. I don't remember what they did that week, but um, oh wait, the Titans have been off right because they've been COVID. Correct. They were on technically by last week. Whatever. Yeah. So. The Titans game will be interesting. Uh, the Bears are going to get stomped by the Packers twice. Um, you know, the rest of it's kind of a toss-up to me. Like, I'm not scared of the Vikings. I'm not scared of the Lions at home. You know, the Texans are, ha- have the Texans won yet? No. Yeah. So, Texans are in disarray. I mean, if it it would be a lot better if they kept Bill O'Brien. But this could this could be a ten-win team, I think, at best. Probably, probably going to be nine and seven. I would be thrilled if they lost every game for the rest of the year. 100%. That's best case scenario, in thrilled. my opinion. Or in 12. I, I wish they went 3-13. and 13. Like, I, w- I wanted them to lose last night. But, unfortunately, it wasn't in the cards. All right, we're going to move on from the Bears. We're going to go to the lock of the week. I'm going to go ahead and take the Colts minus 1.5 over the Cleveland Browns. We saw it last week. The Colts' defense is for real. Uh, they're they're really stout on both sides of the ball. Jonathan Taylor, they control the clock. Phillip Rivers is in a good situation with a top three offensive line. He's got good weapon, good enough weapons, I should say. And then Jonathan Taylor, they just really control the tempo on offense. They control the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. I couldn't believe that Justin Houston is still doing it at a at a pretty high level. How old, how old is Justin Houston? He's got to be thirty six. Like, he's got to be in his upper thirties. Like to me, he's ancient, right? When you hear that name and you think, holy shit, that guy's still playing football. But, I remember when, because he used to be on the Chiefs, I remember that, and then yeah. like, yeah, Jesus fucking Christ, I mean, yeah. I'm looking up his age right now, he is 31, okay, so not that bad, but he runs a slower 40 than me, I'll tell you that. I don't know what's something kind of interesting with mm. your pick there, because I picked my upset of the week as the Browns, really? plus one. Yeah. Really? Uh, interesting, interesting, I like that. Yeah, because Cleveland, because Cleveland's three and one. And Cleveland has hasn't been three and one in God knows how long. They're... I like I like the Browns for what it's worth. I just think Indy, just the way they play, kind of. De- so it kind of depends for me. And I haven't looked at the Indianapolis um, uh, injury report yet. But Indy was down a bunch of corners last week against the Bears, and they just the Bears obviously don't have the weapons to take advantage of it. Um, but obviously Cleveland does. Cleveland has Baker Mayfield with Odell, and he's got Jarvis Landry. I don't buy those receivers. Don't buy those receivers? I don't. Jarvis Landry's been pretty bad this year for a quote-unquote Pro Bowl or All-Pro, whatever. And Odell only shows up against the uh, against the Cowboys. Only. I haven't seen Odell <laughs> do shit forever, except when he plays the Cowboys. So he had three I mean, touchdowns last week or something. Yeah, three. I think it was three. And he probably scores maybe twice the rest of the year. Cleveland has one of those offenses where it's kind of hard to predict them because they're not like it's again it's I hate relating it to the Bears because it's just like feast or famine versus those with those two but Cleveland Cleveland has two competent running backs you know they they they've got, got I think oh yeah and um I I like the weapons at wide receiver more than you do I think I mean I I still think Odell is a is a number one. I think Jarvis Landry is a solid number two. And I, I do like, I still like the Austin Hooper signing for them. So I wouldn't, and, and Cleveland's at home, even though that's not really worth much without fans. Unless you're Miami so, filling up the stadium, baby. Uh, unless you're Miami. 
So, uh, yeah, no, actually, I took my upset of the week. I'm taking the Browns at home. Who's your lock of the week? Lock of the week, I got uh, Seattle minus seven against Minnesota. Yep, yep. Minnesota's been pretty, pretty terrible other than Delvin Cook. Yeah, because Russell Wilson is, he should be at this point, for Josh Allen is the MVP of the NFL. But yeah, Russell yeah. Wilson's the best quarterback in the league. I got no problem saying that. And then Minnesota gives up a ton of yards through the air. Um, oddly enough, Seattle does too, but the difference between Russell Wilson and Kirk Cousins is vast. If Russell will, if that offense for the Seahawks scores early and often, the game's over. I mean, yeah. I mean, Minnesota like, will have I, no chance to come back. Wouldn't be surprised if this turned into like a like a thirty-one fourteen kind of outcome. Like, I just think Seattle is just very fucking good. You heard it, hammer the over. Uh, my upset of the week is going to be Jacksonville plus six over Houston. I hate the Texans. I've been pretty clear about this. I think Deshaun Watson stinks. Uh, I think $40 million a year is just brutal for whatever head coach is going to come in next. He's the most overrated quarterback in the NFL. I have no problem saying that. Uh, and this team is just its – they're abysmal. They don't own their first-round pick this year. I don't think they own their second-round pick this year either. And I think oh, – O'Brien really did a number on that. I mean, he? Bill O'Brien literally – yeeted this team's future into the abyss and and they're going to be bad for a long time i mean deandre hopkins i mean like they don't have any weapons on offense bro you traded your only weapon your running backs stink your receivers are garbage david fucking johnson yeah i mean it's bad man they're they're horrible and their cap situation is not great either they got a lot of big contracts on this team that uh-huh. the cap hit for deshaun watson's going to increase so much going into next year i just think Jacksonville, Gardner Minshew, there's something about that guy, man. He, he's got an X factor in him, and they'll cover the spread for sure, but I think they're going to win the game outright. I- okay, we're going to move on from football, and we're going to go to baseball. Uh, it was right. a pretty rough year. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to front. For you, it was a great year. Um, oh, yeah, I had fun. You got to love what you saw. I literally almost stabbed myself every time I watched baseball this year. I almost clawed my eyes out every time the Cubs stepped on the diamond, even after they started off so hot. I know this team. I've known this team. This is the same narrative that we've seen since 2017. 16, they obviously win it all. Since then, they're horrible. I don't care how many games they win in the regular season, 17, 18, whatever. Particularly offensively, they've been horrible. Correct. That's that's really where I'm harping at right here is – they have all these guys, right? You've got Chris Bryant. You've got Javier Baez. You've got Anthony Rizzo, Wilson Contreras, and they all suck. Kyle Schwarber, they all suck. I, like, There's no other way you can put it anymore to where these guys should all be off the roster next year. Like, They're all bad. If you're going to keep one, it's either Rizzo or Baez. But they're all really bad. This team doesn't hit in the clutch ever. If there's a runner on base, we're going to strike out twice. Like, it's the same narrative. I could see the future on this team. I should not be able to do that. You Darvish pitching his soul out all year for this team, and the only day I felt confident they would win a game was when you was on the mound. And then you right. get you get to these COVID playoffs, and it's the same thing. You're facing the Miami Marlins, bro, a team that shouldn't have even sniffed the playoffs this year. Just a, just a bad roster. You all right there? You doing something? Oh, I'm good. I was just waiting for you to finish up. You, oh. cut, you cut out for a second there, so I thought you were still going. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. You get to the playoffs, and you face this Marlins team. I get it. Sixto Sanchez is my son, bro. Like, he is a <laughs> baller. I am naming my first son Sixto out of respect. Like, the guy is disgusting. And they've got Alcantara as a, a solid pitcher as well, but 
the Cubs, with their playoff experience, should have pounced on those guys. And the Cubs are a, a really are supposed to be a good fastball hitting team, and and they couldn't hit shit. I could have hit better, and I stink at hitting. I'm one of the worst hitters I've ever seen in my entire life, and I had a better chance in the box than all of these guys who are supposed to be all star players, three hundred million dollar contracts, MVPs, rookies of the year, like. It's terrible. You got to scrap the whole thing. Theo's got to get the fuck out of Dodge. I know he said he's going to stay stick around, but like you got to go, boss. Like your time is done. You've done nothing. It's the same. You can't sustain success. You can build a team from the ground up, but you can't sustain success or bring any pitching up from the well. They've got nothing in this farm. That's the first thing I was going to uh, address with you was, is Theo staying or is he going? Because Theo never stays with a team more than 10 years. He said status quo next year. He'll be here. All right. Well, that's whether whether that's in a transition phase or not, he will show up to work every day. He said. Secondly, you're talking about players you would extend or not. I don't have any. On what? I don't have any players I would extend. Said you said Javi Baez or Anthony Rizzo. I said if you're if you're going to keep one, keep one of those two. I don't Uh, care which one. Javi Baez had a 57 weighted runs created plus. I get it. He was horrific all year. The worst. that out there the worst and and, and this the, the whole team i would i would scrap if you put me in charge tomorrow those five players are not on the roster in a week or whenever the season's over whenever i you know um, whenever we can get going what the fuck happened to chris Bryan, dude yeah i i don't know i don't know and they're gonna fire another hitting coach right like that's probably what they're gonna end up doing that's gonna be Bryan, their fix chris Bryan has been in the league for six years okay he has not had a weighted runs created plus lower than 125 until this year, he was 76. I mean, and I saw Jesse Rogers was, like, blaming this a lot on the, on the season being, like, so different. Dude, fuck you, man. Like, we, you should know better than anybody that this is the same narrative we've seen for the last four years. Like, it's crazy to me. Like, yeah, I've, I've, been, I've been woke on this the entire time. Like, it, it, I was trying to get through it. I was trying to be like, you know what, we have a chance. But they have had a 0% chance at a World Series for four years. I think it's in the, their last, like, 10 playoff games or something. They've scored, like, 11 runs. Really bad. Yeah, I mean, and it, what, did they, what did they score? One run against the Marlins? Like, oh, my God, man. It's so frustrating because these guys should be good, and and they're just that, horrific. I'm looking at Rizzo right now. His, lowest, his way to run created plus was 103, which is the lowest since his rookie year with the Padres when he was 50 at 59 that first year. And he's the one so, I, I give the most slack to because typically he will start like super slow, but in a, in a real season where you've got, you know, 162 games, it usually evens out. And with 60 games, I, you don't have that luxury. You, it, you can't hope that it's going to even out because it's two months, man. Like we gotta, we gotta go now. And he just never got it going. And I never felt comfortable with him on, with him at the plate, especially with runners on base, like nobody hit the ball. Jason Hayward was the best fucking player on this team this year, and that's the guy I've been crucifying for four years. Yeah, uh, I mean, I know Jason Hayward put up decent numbers. Wilson Contreras wasn't terrible. I see um, a 109 rated runs created plus. Um, I'm looking up Kyle Schwarber right now. I want to see what he's at. Yeah, Obviously, he was at a nine. He was at a 90. That dude wasn't anywhere close to average. So, wait, how did he get that much? Oh, never mind. Um, but yeah, no. So the problem is a lot of these guys that the Cubs have, they sort of brought them all up at once. So now they're all going to kind of leave. 
No, I it's mean it's a really bad situation to be in. It's really I, like, bad. Like it's gonna the next GM for this team, unless Theo is like around for rebuild 2.0, which I don't think he is. I don't he never think stays he's staying. I don't than, think he's staying. Staying for more than ten years. Um, it's an interesting place because it's not a good one. I mean, you're gonna lose all these guys. Teams aren't gonna give you a lot for them right now, and you're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place because. During a normal time when Chris, let's say Chris Bryant, because I'm I'm a fan of Chris Bryant to the White Sox, um, to play right field. In a normal season when Chris Bryant is healthy, Chris Bryant is a top ten player in baseball. But the problem is, Chris Bryant has not been healthy, and Chris Bryant has been bad when he's played, probably due to his health. Oh, so, look at Javi Baez, bad. Anthony Rizzo, he's an aging first baseman. I'm not saying he's old, but I'm saying he's getting older. He's bad. Um, Wilson Contreras is a catcher who is a little bit overhyped in my personal opinion. Um, maybe they could get something for him this offseason if they were to trade him to a team who misses out on the JT Real Muto and James McCann will be the second catcher off the board then. Um, maybe you can get something for him, but Kyle Schwarber has no value <laughs> unless you're an American League team. But even then, you put him as a DH, he had a 90 weighted runs created plus as a DH. That's 10% below league average. So you're you got to take what you can get and move on. That's all you can do. And this spot is weird too, because if you take them into next year and let's say they all just click next year and they're all going really well, what do you do with the deadline then? Because of the debt, because of the deadline, if they're all clicking. This team is winning. hundred percent. You, you white flag this, this, next season do you punt 2021 at the midway point and trade them while their value is highest or do you ride out the season and then just let them all walk for nothing i think they're absolutely going to ride this out i don't think they do anything else i think no matter what they stick with this roster because i mean he said it like we got to be better the offense got to change the offense shut down but he's never done anything about it so why would i think that he's going to change his mind all of a sudden when a year from now he's going to be out and somewhere else so, you know, what's his incentive here? I, you know, I, I hate to say that, but, like, I think this is going to be the exact same team. And their pitching next year is is nobody. It's you, Darvish, and Kyle Hendricks and Alec Mills. Like, Quintana's gone. Lester has an option that they shouldn't pick up because it's, like, a $25 million option. He should be hanging it up. I don't know. Right now. I just don't know how, without fully restarting this team, they are competing for a championship again soon. Right now, I'm looking at it. The Cubs' uh, payroll seventh highest in baseball. Um, I don't know how that what the, what their free agents are. I mean, Jose Quintana wasn't making a lot, but you have to replace the pitching, and I guess just hope the offense gets better. I mean, what are you doing? Are you giving Trevor Bauer one year thirty five million dollars? Yeah, if they're if they're not going to trade this core, you better go get Trevor Bauer, and you better go get like four bullpen arms. Yeah, I mean, Trevor Bauer, on, so for reference, Trevor Bauer, obviously we know, you and I agree, he is, if not the best pitcher in baseball, certainly a top five pitcher in baseball. So if you lock him in to a one-year deal at $35 million, you immediately have the number one payroll in baseball because that would take, because your payroll right now is $75 million and some change than the Yankees is. 109 and some change in their number one. So if you give him 35 million, you're at 110. 
I think so you, have to, you have to look at how are you going to win a championship. What's your best way? Now, for me, it's to start over and try to do this again from the bottom up. For Tom Ricketts and Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer, I don't think they're thinking that way. So you have to go get a bona fide stud to have a three-man weave there with Alec Mills as a four would be fine. If you've got to trade one or two of the position players still to get bullpen arms so you're not going out and spending crazy money, I guess that's what you do. That's probably what they're thinking. But if they don't tear it down, you got to go balls to the wall. So an interesting thing, too, is Bauer would be great there. I don't know if he has the interest in going there because he and the Cubs were jawing at each other a little bit when they when they started. And Trevor Bauer was 100% right in that situation, by the way. Um, I don't ever think he's wrong when he goes at people like that. Yeah, he he he, he puts up what he talks, so I'm I'm cool with it. But it, the way these playoffs have trended, it's the teams that hit the most home runs and have, have the won. best bullpens. Oh, so after what? Like I understand starting pitching is important, but like to get anywhere, you got to be able to hit the ball. Well, the and Cubs should guys, be able to, but they fucking can't should be able to and they can't so if you're trading God, if you trade chris bryant for a bullpen arm or you trade fucking kyle schwarber for a bullpen arm or you trade javi Baez for a bullpen arm i mean you're taking a downgrade not only in a normal year you're taking a downgrade in like positional war and you're taking a downgrade to your lineup and you're supposed to be able to outslug these teams that's how you're supposed to win in the modern day you know, that's why the Twins are a playoff team. That's why the Yankees are a playoff team. That's why the White Sox were a playoff team this year because they just hit everybody. Here's you know? my thing is that the Cubs are the worst situation in baseball right now. It's the worst situation. You couldn't be stuck more in the middle. I'm seeing it perfectly clear saying that they should start over immediately. But pretty much everybody involved with that team, I think, is right in the middle. So that's why I don't envy like. Like, say they promote Jed Hoyer, president of baseball ops, and he brings in his own GM. I do not envy them because they're going to have to figure out what they want to do. Because this team, this stinks. The worst team in baseball. Because you're handing the next guy a really shitty situation. And if you expect that guy to win right away, then... You're smoked. Yeah, I mean, uh, we're going back to the Cubs of old. We're going back to those Cubs that we all grew up with who couldn't get shit done, and it took one guy to put together I, I mean uh, now it's got me thinking how much of 2016 was just these guys being so new that they didn't know how to pitch to him yet honestly like schwarber like can't hit anything but a fastball like i mean addison russell was a key cog in that yeah team. I, I just I mean, addison russell hit a grand slam in the playoffs i mean it's one of those things where maybe that's part of it but anytime a team wins a world series everybody gets hot at the right time sure you know, addison russell is not a good baseball player but there was just but, a feeling about that year during the playoffs he was locked in. Chris Bryant locked in. Kyle Schwarber locked in versus Cleveland. I mean, it's one of those things that it just sort of happened. And to replicate that, you need to not make the moves that they made after the fact. So it's unfortunate, but I think the window is pretty firmly It's fucking cocked shut. Yeah, like Bars over the window. They're in prison. The window could not be more closed. Let's let you talk about your White Sox here. Yeah, we could talk about some happy stuff now. I mean, shit. Uh, you know. Oh, some happy stuff? Yeah, I get real dark. Yeah, yeah you got real dark. You I mean, fucking hate the Cubs right now. 
do need a drink. But uh, no, the White Sox had, I believe it was the fourth or fifth best record in the American League. First year really trying to go for it. Uh, Tim Anderson, Jose Abreu, MVP candidates. Jose Abreu should win the American League MVP. Cap. Um, they got bounced in the... Did you say cap? I did. Yeah, I don't think so. We'll see. Um, but they get bounced in the first round by Oakland. You know, the first game was great. Giolito throwing a no-hitter into the seventh inning or a perfect game, whatever it was, into the um, seventh inning. Second game was the Nick Madrigal game where he basically fucked Dallas Keuchel with errors and base running mistakes and just a bunch of bullshit. And then the the third game was really bad when Garrett Crochet went out. When Garrett Crochet went out, you knew that game was pretty much over, unfortunately, and so was the season. So with this team, you sort of identified the issues with right field all throughout the year and then with the starting pitching, particularly in game three when you start Dane Dunning and you basically bullpen the game. That game was horrible to watch. Yeah. The thing is, I think – People were like ready to jump down Rick Renteria's throat, and I'm thinking to myself, what else can he do? You know, I'm thinking to myself, Rick Hahn didn't go out and get Lance Lynn at the deadline. Rick Hahn didn't go out and get Kevin Gaussman at the trade deadline to have a legitimate number three starter to start this game. And his bullpenning strategy would have worked if Garrett Crochet does not get hurt. 100%. I don't disagree with you. But then he got hurt, and it just seemed like Renteria was had no backup. Like you have to think of every scenario, you know, because it's the playoffs. Like this is when, especially their winner go home. Like you have to think of everything that can possibly happen and be ready to adapt. And to me, it just felt like after Crochet went out, it was holy fuck. What do I do? Part of it was that um, with Garrett Crochet, then you had guys like Matt Foster and Evan Marshall who had been remarkably reliable throughout the year, and they just stopped throwing strikes in that game. Gotta and love Oakland, bullpen it, arms. Oakland is a patient team. Oakland will walk you to death, and that's what it. ended up happening. I love Oakland. And Oakland and Tampa Bay, man, they are just the two teams. I wanted that just, as the uh, ALCS so bad it hurts. Yep, yep. They're the two teams that just do everything right. So, unfortunately, the White Sox got bounced. I do believe the White Sox were the better team. Um, it's just unfortunate that the, 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 the front office, in my opinion, hunted this year, called it at the trade deadline, hundred percent called it at the trade deadline when they didn't acquire Lance Lynn or didn't make any move for a right fielder that they were fine with punting this year and trying to do something for year five, which is annoying because I don't think this front office understands it or the fans don't understand who are okay with this, who are okay with the front office. Lucas Giolito has three years of control left. They better three go years balls to the wall left. right now. They better go to, they better go fill every need. He's a top 10 pitcher in baseball. And you have Lucas Giolito and three years left. Could you extend him? Absolutely. But Jerry Reinsdorf isn't going to pay for it, unfortunately. So you have a three year window right now to do something until your younger high school starting pitching prospects come back up. You know, so right field is the biggest positional player need for this team. And specifically, a left-handed power bat, if you can find one. 
And luckily, Interesting. luckily, you can, no, we're not talking Jason Hayward and we're not talking Kyle Schwarber. Damn it. Just letting that out there. Interestingly, there are a few names on the free agent and trade market who the White Sox have been linked to in the past to our left-handed right fielders. You've got Jock Peterson, who's a free agent. You have, unfortunately, even though he had a good year this year, Jackie Bradley Jr. on the free agent market. You have um, Andrew Benatendi, who I'm sure Boston would trade for the right package because Andrew Benatendi has sucked since his rookie year. Like, just like a two-war player at best since he was a rookie. And the White Sox coveted him during the Carson Fulmer draft. They missed him by one pick. And then um, Arizona Diamondbacks are looking to shed salary. Cole Calhoun had an excellent year offensively and defensively. I love Cole Calhoun. I love Cole Calhoun. Love Cole Calhoun. I believe he has two years and 30 or two years and 20 million left on that contract, if I'm not mistaken. So the options are there. You can keep Adam Engel as a fourth outfielder. If you bring in Jock Peterson, Adam Engel has to play more. Unfortunately, he has to start versus lefties because Jack Peterson demolishes righties, but he has like a sub 600 OPS against lefties. Like he's really bad against lefties. Um, I think they're going to end up with one of Jock or Jackie Bradley Jr. or Andrew Benintendi if they go for a trade, just because they they always go after these guys that they covet really hard. Like Nomar Mazzara was the name in the Chris Sale to Texas trade rumor back in 2016. It didn't happen, but obviously the White Sox stayed on him, stayed on him, stayed on him. And they got him, and he's a fucking bum. He is terrible. But, but this team has shown that they, when they lock onto somebody, that's it. Like they are, that's that's why they bring in guys like fucking Juan Pierre back in the day when he's thirty-seven years old, because they that's how they just do these things. So I think they're going to end up doing something like that, where I think maybe a trade for an Andrew Benintendi can happen, or they bring in Jack Peterson on like a one-year prove-it deal because Jack had a really bad year. He got BABIP to death, unfortunately. Like, his BABIP was, um, I think it was 200 on the dot, which is remarkably below league average. And his exit velocity was pretty good, too. Like, it was in the 90s. So he hit the ball hard. He just wasn't landing for him. Um, and the White Sox tried to trade for Jack Peterson a couple of years ago. It didn't uh, work out. Rick Hahn said it got ruined by a, a random Twitter account, which, eat my fucking ass, Rick Hahn. But um, other than that, they have the need for starting pitching as well. You know, the two best guys out there are Trevor Bauer and Marcus Stroman. I feel fairly confident in Marcus Stroman. If the White Sox get I Marcus do. Stroman, I'm buying a Marcus Stroman White Sox jersey. Yeah, and I you've, you've said that before. But Marcus Stroman and TA7 are tight. Like, they used to go at it with each other a lot when he was with the Blue Jays. And they, like, solved their issues. And they are they're tight. I'm looking at um, – I retweeted a tweet the other day where um, a White Sox account tweeted that Stroman would look good on the south side, and Marcus Stroman liked the tweet. Not my tweet, unfortunately. He liked the other guy's tweet. But Marcus Stroman is fairly aware of you know the White Sox interest and whatnot, and he just fits the team so well because he's a high ground ball percentage pitcher, which works really well in the White Sox park, um, works well with their defense because Madrigal, Yolan are really good defenders. Um so if they're going to get a pitcher, I really want it to be Marcus Stroman. I hope they don't cheap out and go like Robbie Ray or Kevin Gaussman or something like that. Like Or Jose bring, Quintana. 
or Jose Quintana. Like, bring in the guy who, you know what, in three of the ALDS, I'm checking out there Marcus Stroman instead of bullpenning a game. Yeah, I think if they, if they add a pitcher, I think they're for sure a contender. I said that at the deadline. If they had added a pitcher, then they had a real chance, but they didn't. Right. Right, so I think that if they acquire a starter and they acquire a um, a right fielder, I think that makes them the favorite in the AL Central. They were pretty damn close to this year, um, but I they need something to take it over the top. And unfortunately... Mookie Betts isn't a free agent this offseason. Not that he was going to be a White Sox, but like there's not a move like um, like how the Cubs thought John Lester, Jason Hayward, Ben Zobrist, which ended up being the truth. They ended up being the ones that take him over the top, but there's not like that big money player this offseason because I don't think I – don't, I don't know if any free agent this offseason is going to crack $100 million, maybe – I don't because JT Real Muto won't because Yasmani Grandal only got 73 uh, Bauer's not getting $100 because he only wants one-year deals. And Marcus Stroman is probably going to get like a Dallas Keuchel-like deal. So there's not like that big, you know, um, bank-breaking uh, signing that's going to do anything for you. But a guy like Marcus Stroman, a guy like Jock Peterson, who makes your right field not an abysmal hole on offense, I think makes this team a division contender in 2021. And it leaves them in good shape to re-sign players. And if there's a far and away top dollar free agents that they want, they could still go out there and do that too. Obviously, barring ownership I know is sketchy, but signing those guys doesn't put them in a bad spot, especially like the Cubs when they gave an eight-year deal to Jason Hayward. Right. So the thing is too, which is really nice, is that they're not... I mean, Abreu, T.A., Eloy... You know, Yohan, when he doesn't have COVID, Luis Robert was really good for the first month and a half or so, which it's a short season, so you can do what you have, you do what you have to do with that. But you just need to shore up the places where you just had, like, negative war performances. So, you know, the right field, the starter, and then you're hoping that one of Kopech or Cease hits their ceiling and is your number four starter, and then Dane Dunning's your number five, which is a fine rotation. Right. That's a deep team. That's a team that can definitely compete for a World Series. Not a doubt in my mind. Unfortunately, you got to see what happens. Free agency can be tricky. Marcus Stroman, I think, should get $200 million. That's just me. I'm the biggest Stroman yeah, guy there is. Marcus Stroman's been hurt, and he opted out this year. So he, he is, is take... my guy. Yeah, I think he gets like four years, $70 million or something. Because that's what Keiko, I think, Rich. ended up getting like four years, 71 with his option. So Rich. I think that'll happen. That's a rich contract. All right. All right, anything else with the White Sox? Oh, I mean, spend money and this team wins. That's basically where we're at because everything is in place. All right, that's going to do it for this return to Mom's Basement. Greatly appreciate you guys for hanging out with us. Season 3, Episode 1 in the books. Make sure you follow the podcast, leave a review of the podcast. We would greatly appreciate that. As always, I'm Joe, that's Corey, and we'll see you guys next time.